As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. He's getting close, but, you know, we all got to be real in this thing, and I think the learning curve of where he's at, he's at a great place. Are there still mistakes? Yeah, of course, but he learns from them, so now he can take that and use it the next time he's out there. It's Hogan Johns. I've just gotten more comfortable. I don't really get upset if I miss a throw. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly growing every day. I know that I can make that throw. My goal is to just improve every day. There's always going to be things that I'm going to have to work on at the end of the day, you know, football is football. From NBC NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Adam Ho. Justin, it just looks different. The ball just zips. from the, from the Athletic, it's Adam Adam Johns. His ability to put the ball consistently in areas for only his guy to get it. That's different. It's the Adams. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's just, it's a process. Hogan Johns. The Adams converge. Let's begin now. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you. The fallout from that brutal performance in Cleveland continues. And the presenting sponsor for today's episode of Hogan Johns is Visa, a network working for everyone. We are back home. And I'm, I'm just struck by the the fact that it's only week three, or sorry, week four of what could be a very, very long season for us to cover. <laughs> I mean, who knows at this point? So, I mean, they so felt much that way change, after week one. You know, then they beat the Bengals, and then Justin Fields is starting. And by the way, the Bengals went and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But all I know is it was bad on Sunday. And wrote my ten Bears things yesterday. It was like deja vu. I mean, literally pulled up the same column I wrote a year ago. It was a little bit later in the season. It was October. But it was the same conversation. Play calling, quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver. I mean, it's literally everything is the same. It's the same exact stuff. How does this happen? It's the same quote. I went back yeah. and, and looked at, uh, this is my five takeaways column up now in The Athletic. Like November 17th, Matt Nagy was putting everything back on the table again. Like because... Four-game losing streak. The offense sucks. He already gave up play calling. Might need a new quarterback or a return to Mitch Trubisky. It's like, here we go again. Here we go again. So take that and think about that for a little bit. It's 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 tough. I don't I, I don't know. And um, well, here, this is going to be a very, let's be honest, this will be a very technical podcast, okay? Uh, we have a guest coming on today that we've been looking forward to talking to for a long time, at least I have. I'm a huge fan of his YouTube channel, The QB School, because not only are there great breakdowns on players like Justin Fields, you actually learn a ton, too, just about football, watching these videos. Um, it's JT O'Sullivan, who actually played for the Bears back in the day, long time ago, but he was, he was a Bear. He'd been on a bunch of different teams in the NFL is one of those journeyman quarterbacks really the definition of a journeyman quarterback but very smart guy high school football coach in California at Patrick Henry High School and there's a lot to learn from him so um, we're going to get into that in a little bit and then we're going to on the back end of things also maybe talk about our own reaction to some of what he has has to say and and uh, just in general what should be done here because it's a very I think disappointing situation for the Bears to be in already, as you said, Johns, just here three weeks into the season. It's week four. Sigh. 
A lot of sighs probably <laughs> in this podcast, too. I know. Um, sometimes you just had a loss of words, but it's a podcast, and I have to talk today, so. <laughs> no. All right, well, let's do this. Uh, let's let the listeners talk, okay? So first of all, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. That's where you follow us on Twitter. Plenty of reaction up on, uh, for me, NBCSportsChicago.com. And for Johnsy on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, please subscribe to The Athletic, support the podcast, support us. We appreciate all the ways in which you do so. You can also do so by buying our t-shirts on obviousshirts.com. They're there. Uh, we need to get some new ones for you here soon, too. So we'll work on that as well. Um, and check out our YouTube page as well. You can be watching us right now on YouTube, the Hogan Johns YouTube channel. And we're going to be talking a little bit about YouTube because same thing with the QB school coming up uh, as we try to break down what Justin Fields is doing so far as a Chicago Bear. But you guys, we were uh, breaking the voicemail line on Sunday. It's a good thing I think we've upgraded the voicemail line because back in the day, there's no way. I think we had a limit at 100 and our producer, Kent Garrison, who's awesome and handles these every week, has informed us that there were over 150 voicemails from Sunday. Might be a new record. I don't know. I don't know if we track those things or not. I do know that on our old voicemail line, we couldn't even get over 100. So this, uh, this is groundbreaking <laughs> no. stuff. Our, our old voicemail line was like the, the one you had to press the button and delete over and yeah. over and over. It wasn't, but... The good old this days. One, <laughs> this one has a harder number to remember, but it's uh, a little bit more advanced. Just save it, everybody. Works. Save it. Yeah. 872-221-0046. Here's what you guys had to say on Sunday. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Matt Nagy should be fired at halftime. This is a f***ing joke. He's trying to kill Justin Fields. Can Nagy, please give a play calling. If you do, ask Madden. That will give you better suggestions than Matt Nagy. I cannot stand being a goddamn Bears fan. Fire Matt Nagy. That's it. That's the voicemail. Fellas, it's Cheese from Bucktown. I'll tell you what, Nagy's calling an absolute dog game. Not rolling fields out, not getting any motion in there, abandoning the run game. It's unbelievable. He stinks. Do not let Matt Nagy leave the stadium with a job. This offense sucks ass. Regardless of the quarterback, skill positions, offensive line, Matt Nagy offense sucks. Well, it's halftime, and it appears that Nagy's idea of an offensive game plan for Justin Fields is to get him murdered. What the frick? Matt Nagy is a bad play caller just bad this is ridiculous i didn't think it would be possible for his job to be on the hot seat but it, it if this keeps up i mean just zero help and he's ugh. i don't understand why justin fields is starting right now if we were just going to leave the quarterback in the pocket to get annihilated we could have started fulls for that Fuck. matt Nagy. we're in year four we are in year Four, and nobody knows what the goal of our offense is, what the game plan is week to week. Nobody can even tell. He is completely inept at every fucking step of the way, and he's literally going to kill Justin Fields. I just want to let you guys know that you've got it all wrong. Everybody's got it all wrong. It's not about blocking or executing or tackling or any of that. It's about understanding the why. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude it's about understanding the whys man and when you don't have any answers uh it's about looking at tape and then understanding the whys so we're fine i actually waited until after the press conference today after the game to call in just to let the emotions settle down a little bit and the only word that i have for this is pure ineptitude Matt Nagy, it's time to go. 
don't get on this flight back to Chicago. You need to go. God, man. How many quarterbacks can you ruin? Are you f***ing serious? Sorry for the language. But how do they expect us to watch this bull they put on the field? Hey, guys, I just have a quick question. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's gone, and the offense still looks like sh**. So I'm just really confused as to who I'm supposed to blame right now. Uh, surely it can't be our offensive guru of a coach. So if you guys could just let me know, that'd be fantastic. Thanks. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace should be made to get up during the press conference and publicly apologize to Justin Fields. Here's a good analogy. Imagine you were gifted or you inherited like a freaking Lamborghini or something. And then you get behind the wheel and all your friends are in the car, right? And then you and can't drive a stick, and you just grind the gears and go nowhere. That is our offense. That is Nagy's offense. Hey, Bears fans. V-Man here. Uh, I think we need a new person to call the place. Bear down. John's at Bab, Hoggy Cat, Kurt Geronimo back there on the sound machine thing. This is uh, Robert Zee Dabrowski calling in from Garbage City, USA, a.k.a. Cleveland. And uh, I'm, not a, I'm not an entirely happy boy today, but um, the Bears lost. They they gained uh, fewer yards on offense than I could piss in a single f***ing, sorry for the swear word, standing section. Um, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, boys. I, the smell of garbage has just filled my brain with garbage and garbage thoughts. Um but I'm going to remain optimistic. Week one for uh, the new era, the Justin Fields era. The Lions will be better for the Bears. Let's get it next week. Chicago Bears. Bear down. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh. Oh, Bobo. I feel, you know, I, 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 Bob sounded broken there. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for all of our listeners. I had to sit through that. The amount of family and friends that were texting during that game, you know, from oh. some, some season ticket holders, <laughs> I'm sure you were getting the same. Uh, they weren't clean like some of those voicemails. Yeah, uh, all the bleeping, and I think Kent even missed a couple in there. So <laughs> we get, <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, it's, you know, those were the clean ones. Those were the clean. Hey, you know what? You deserve an opportunity to vent. So there it is. All right. Well, uh, as a as a couple people asked in there, you know, they're trying to figure out who to blame. What kind of answers are there? If there are any. But look, this has gone on far too long with this offense. And uh, it's another quarterback, a very talented quarterback that's here. You cannot screw this up. You just cannot screw this up. And it cannot look like that. Can't look like that with any quarterback. And, and there are layers to screwing this up, right? There are the mistakes that Fields is making himself. There's the play calling. There's Matt Nagy's game planning. And then there's the whole freaking organization, Adam. I mean, this is not the first first round quarterback that they've drafted. Like this, there are layers to screw this up. And, and I, I think, think I think we're just on the first layer or second layer, second well, layer of this. Uh, but I I think that that's what's concerning here right is it's yes. sort of always been the elephant in the room where you know as we've been talking about Justin Fields since they drafted him we can't just keep going to that over and over and over again so maybe we haven't discussed it enough but you know the very well-known reality that uh, the Bears don't really have a great track record with quarterbacks it's, it's always been on the table even if we probably admittedly haven't talked about it enough like there is up. There is a scenario where the Bears mess this up. See, I, I would like. Yeah, sorry. I w- I'm gonna inject here. Um, I would like to think that, like Justin Fields, might be just too good to mess up. That's what I've always wanted to believe. I think. But then there's the tape, and this is what people aren't really gonna want to hear about. It's what I'm writing about on NBC Sports Chicago today. You might be able to. It might be up by the time you listen to this. There are some things he's he's messing up himself. Now they can, but that's okay. He's a rookie, but like, right? A couple yes. things can be true here all at the same time. And number one is he's not being put in a great position to have success. That is by far number one on that list. And let's make that very clear. Now that being said, there are examples on the tape where there's relatively simple 
reads, RPO decisions, things like that, that can be better. The timing has to be better. He's got to get the ball out faster. That is 100%. I was a little bit on the fence. We This was something we talked to Nate Tice about coming out of the draft. You know, how big of a problem that really was. I felt like a fair problem, but Nate thought it was a little overblown because a lot of the concepts at Ohio State were vertical. They required you to hold on to the ball long. That being said, he still, I think, had got sacked 50 times for being that mobile and played behind a pretty good offensive line. So there were some warning signs there as well. And and so I guess I'm not completely surprised that we're seeing some of that now that the speed is even faster at the NFL level. He's got to get the ball out faster. That's just one of the things. But he's also not being put in a great position to succeed. No. No. One of my favorite stats of the many stats that were shared to illustrate the Bears' offensive ineptitude against the Browns was the one shared by CBS Sports. Did you see that one? I oh, made yes. sure I made sure to quote tweet that one. Where Mitch Trubisky in backup duty <laughs> managed to have the same amount of net passing yards as the Chicago Bears offense did in Cleveland. Of one. Of one. Yes. That I mean that is an just an all-timer. Do you know that they average 1.1 yards per play, and that includes the 16-yard run they had on the first freaking play of the game? So it's negative one. It's not negative one. It's less than one yard per play from play number two to the end of the game. That's preposterous. What was the uh, stat on the Justin Tucker kick? It was that was his 66-yard record kick more offensive yards than the Bears had against the the Browns, right? Yeah, it was 19 more yards than the Bears had the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. We're we're getting JT O'Sullivan's waiting for us, but like we've covered some some stinkers, Adam. Some absolute stinkers. We, We said this in the press box in Cleveland. We've covered some awful football games, but that was by far, in my 10 years covering this team, the worst football game I have ever covered. <laughs> and there's been some bad ones, yeah. Yes! Yeah. I remember the Tyler Pelko game. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Chiefs in town, it was just bad. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You've heard us talk about him and his breakdown videos. They're really, really good. JTO Sullivan played in the NFL for a long time. He, he has a YouTube channel called the QB School. Um, Patreon page to kind of a whole community over there. If you want to learn about offensive football and specifically quarterback play, I don't think that there's a better place to go right now to just learn things. And his uh, draft breakdowns were incredible. You heard us talk. If you're listening back in draft season, maybe you're new and you haven't heard this, but we talked a lot about his draft breakdowns because they were really good, really in-depth. And specifically on Justin Fields, I think he did like five, six, or seven videos on Justin Fields uh, from his Ohio State tape. And sure enough, last week, plays against the Bengals, Boom, up pops a 30-minute breakdown of the All-22 film. By the way, All-22 film right now is like gold. You can't get it. <laughs> I mean, NFL Game Pass is a disaster. It's finally up. You can't even watch it. It's awful. So I don't I even no, try anymore, by the way. I don't know how JT's getting it. Obviously, he's got connections. He's the man, uh, and he, he can break this stuff down better than anybody. So we wanted to make sure we brought him on. JT O'Sullivan from the QB school. He's JT O'Sullivan, and uh, we've been meaning to get him on the podcast for a long time. JT, you probably don't even know this, but you're already kind of a hero uh, to our podcast listeners because of your love for Justin Fields back uh, during draft season. So uh, we talked a lot about your breakdowns, even though we didn't have you on, and we saw your breakdown last week from his first real NFL action. We had to get you on and talk about it. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it, Adams. No, this will be good, man. It's uh 
it's one of those things where it's it's being tested right now. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. it's uh, we're all going through it together. Yeah, I was just. I, let's just start with the baseline, if we can, JT. I, I like. Can we go back to the draft? Let's go back to the spring and rewind a little bit. Tell us why you liked Justin so much. That we can get to some of the concerns that we've all seen here early on. But um, you know, you did. It was narrow with Trevor Lawrence. You did ultimately go with Justin Fields as your number one quarterback. So let's just start there. The things you liked about him at Ohio State. I mean, I just think he's the most dynamic guy in the entire class. And I mean, that that's, and you touched on it already right there. It's no knock on Trevor Lawrence. It really isn't. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a special cat as well, but you can see the struggles that he's going through right now. I just think Justin Fields has the highest ceiling and has the capacity to be the most dynamic guy in that class. And that's saying a lot because Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, have some pretty dynamic playmaking abilities and nothing against Mac Jones. And even, uh, Got the dude in uh, San Francisco. But the idea being that Trey Lance. Yeah. Trey Lance. And I mean, Trey Lance is right there a little bit. But, you know, that idea that I think he can, Justin Fields can come in there and stretch the field vertically with his arm, with his ability to spin it, and the athlete that he is and the way that the game has evolved, I think he's got the most special skill set out of all those guys. So, all that said, like, JT, what would you do with him if you're Matt Nagy? If you're. Bill Lazor, if you're John D. Filippo, like, and, and you have this immensely talented kid, and you have to bring him along probably earlier than you want, what would you do with him, concept wise, scheme wise, and all that? Yeah, I mean, I would push back a, a little bit to bringing him along as, as early as you want. He he needs to play immediately, like that. That that would have been my change from jump. Uh, you know, the the Andy Dalton. No offense to Andy Dalton, but you know, I just think when you look at the skill set, how someone's going to help the team, everything he needs to play immediately. So that's the first critical error. From there, I think a little bit, and you can see it in the game plan this week, to me, uh, a lack of creativity is not the right way to describe it. It's a thinking in a dated paradigm more than anything else. So they're running plays that any quarterback could run. You know, they're running nakeds the same way that, you know, the Rams were running nakeds with Jared Goff, you know, where this is a different type of player. You need to give him creative capacity to block up an edge, get him running downhill. You need to take shots down the field with double moves and stretch your team vertically. You don't run RPOs with stick. You know, that's what everybody does. You, you, you need to use his legs and his arm to be able to stretch a defense like they haven't been stretched before. So you really, to me, I would, I would rethink a lot of how we're attacking the defense and not be able to use that, hey, you know, if Andy's in there, we can run this play. And if Justin's in there, we can run this play, like the same play. Like to me, there are different skill sets that you can attack a defense differently. And when I turn on the film, I'm looking at a static offense, meaning that I didn't look at the stats, but I'm sure there's stats out there nowadays as far as like there's no motion, there's no shifting, there's no creating that type of mismatch. There's a lot of static routes, meaning guys are stopping, whether we're running sticks or hitches or stops or whatever, where to me, I'm thinking Justin Fields is he's like a, a air raid Y cross, you know, I want guys running so he can see it and drive the ball down the field. And I didn't, I honestly didn't have that much of a problem with how they, to me, they, they did a decent job of using condensed formations to maybe run it and get creative in that regard and then spread them out to spread the field and let him get the ability to run. But if it's not there, get out and run or create some quarterback runs, just get into the flow of it. Some perimeter screens, it just felt like everything was so jumbled as far as what they were trying to do. And when nothing works, it's obviously easy to say, yeah, that sucked. But to me, it just looked like an old offense with a really special player as opposed to, hey, let's find ways to take advantage of this skill set. Yeah, screen. That's a word uh, I finally was able to write down with 343 left in the fourth quarter as I was going back through the Browns game the other day. Like, There's just not enough of that type of stuff. We'll, we'll get to some of the stuff here uh, on, on what you think Justin can improve on or some of the mistakes that he made early uh, in that Bengals game that you broke down. But the one thing that stood out to me watching that video, and by the way, you should be checking out these breakdown videos at the QB School, uh, the QB School uh, YouTube page. We can put the link down. If you're watching us on YouTube, we can put the link down here in the comments uh, so you guys can see it if you haven't. But one of the things that really stood out to me, JT, as you were breaking down Justin Fields, is how many times that you question the concept that was being run or the play that was being run. or you. Ca- I, one thing you kept saying a couple times was, this is a concept that works well against zone. 
And yet here they were running it against man, and everyone knew going in that matchup against Cincinnati that that's a single high team that plays a lot of man. So that just kind of stood out to me that as many mistakes as maybe Justin was making, he wasn't necessarily being put in a great position at the same time. Is that fair? I think it's totally fair. And, you know, even going to the more recent game, you know, there are times where you would think, and it's easy, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to come off saying that that Justin Fields isn't, shouldn't be to blame for a significant number of whether they're sacks, misses, incompletions, all those things. And the play design, to me, is insufficient to be successful at the quarterback position over the long time, over the long term. So easy ways, again, are things like this past weekend. And now it was late in the game, but they ran what most West Coast world teams would call dragon or slant and a flat. And it was versus what looked like quarters or split field coverage. And he tried to like rip a slant in. Well, that's on Justin Fields. Like you don't throw slants into that type of split field coverage. You need to throw the check down. And if you're calling plays, you don't call old school slant flat unless it's a JV football game and you're up by, you know, five touchdowns. You just, there's better stuff to put together. So if you catch that coverage, you have an answer. So yeah, is it on Justin Fields? Yes. But the play design absolutely feels like either they don't trust him to do more or there's a capacity element as far as the design to be able to, many teams will have options where, hey, if it's closed, meaning that there's a post safety or middle field player, we're going to do one thing. If it's open, we're going to do another. But when you run mirrored routes, you know, there's just, that, that begs to me as dated stuff. In your, excuse me. In your experience, then, like, is it is it too late? Because going back to the Bears' plan, they wanted to to run this offense through what, uh, what Andy Dalton could do well for Matt Nagy. And is it too late to to change things up? Like you mentioned earlier for, for Justin Fields, some of the stuff down the field and whatnot, double moves. Like, is it is it too late to, to shift things for the other players, the offensive line at this point? I don't think it's too late. You know, I think people love to overreact, right? I mean, that's that's half of what, what goes on at this sport and why it's so much fun. But like, even in that game, that past week against Cleveland, to me, it felt like watching the All-22, like if you're sitting in the press box or in the coach's booth, it felt like those DBs were sitting on those hitches, stops, yeah. everything right there. So like, all you need is like someone to say, hey, bro, let's dial up a double move. Like you can't tell me it's an NFL game plan. They don't have multiple double moves in the plan. Like let's block it up with six, seven guys, seven, eight guys, and take a shot on this corner who keeps squatting on us. And so those things are easy fixes. I think it's a little, the harder fixes to me are where, okay, now let's get some quarterback run in there. Where to me, I saw a lot of what I would consider dated RPOs. Now that might sound like a like a oxymoron a little bit, but there, there are different ways to do it. So if you're making a philosophical choice to run those RPOs and your receivers are running what I consider stop route, anything that stops their feet. So they're not running a slant. They're not running a runaway. They're stopping their feet. To me, there's better stuff because you want those guys, you want your fast guys running away from the defender, all those types of things. And when you run those RPOs, now you're not blocking for the quarterback. So let's have some real quarterback run where we're blocking because there's a couple plays where, you know, he, the RPO is not there. And then he gets like one or two yards and gets smacked on the sideline where, and there's another one where he's throwing it into the backside of an offensive lineman. Well, that to me looks like the offensive line doesn't know what the hell an RPO is because you wouldn't chase that guy. You know, he he's chasing that guy on the backside where you should know if you're playing offensive line and you run a lot of RPOs, well, if that guy's running away from me and we're running the run play the other way, the quarterback is throwing it. So I need to stay at the line of scrimmage. So it just looks like a jumbled mess of, you know, whether it's, they don't know what their identity is. They're not good at anything. To me, I would just be like, man, let's take advantage of what this dude can do. He can run it and he can chuck it. So let's find different ways to create those opportunities for us to take advantage of that skill set. I'm glad you just said that because there was a there were a number of plays in that game Sunday where when I was rewatching it, I was having a hard time even identifying if it was an RPO or not, mainly because you usually look for the line blocking. And like you just said, I mean, there's there's some times where you couldn't even really understand what the offensive linemen were doing on the particular play. So I I agree that there's a number of problems right now that they're, I don't know, trying to work out and they got to get it fixed in a hurry. But, you know, it, when it comes to Justin, there was also, I can think of one RPO where he pulls it 
and then didn't rip it right away. And I think Darnell Mooney was running a slant, and it was only open for a second, but that's the NFL. Like, there was a window there to throw the ball, and I do think that there is, and this was a criticism of Justin coming out, he holds on to the ball too long. I do think we've seen some of that early on. Have you seen it? Yes. I mean, the straight up, yes. Okay, I, I and I agree that there were completions that he left out there. Some of them resulted in sacks. Some of them resulted in hurries and completions. And I think we can all agree that that was evident even on his college film. Now, as a play caller, let's not put that cat in that position every series. You know what I mean? So let's block it up. Let's change the launch point and give him a shot down the field or something that runs into his face as opposed to saying, okay, if this is the coverage. You need to quickly throw it and get it out of your hands as quickly as possible. It's just uh, the RPO world is different in the Big Ten than it is on Sundays. Those windows are more condensed. And I, I think you're absolutely right that there were a number of opportunities. When I say number, I'm thinking three to five where he could have gotten the ball out of his hands quickly to a completion. And that's playing Sunday quarterback. And that obviously needs to get better because there were completions that were out there. But again, they were on to me what I would consider static routes most of the time, like little quick hitches or stick routes where, yeah, if you're looking right there, you can get the ball out. What I wanted to see more is opportunities for him to drive the ball down the field. I, I really I can't think off the top of my head if there were opportunities where he did drive the ball down the field. Now, there were pass pro issues. That is a whole nother issue. But that that's what I would say. Yes, that's an issue. And if we're designing the, the concepts, let's build it around his strength. That's not his strength right now. As you watch the, the film of that, did you watch the game live or did you just review it on, on film? I just, I've only seen the all 22. I didn't okay. watch the broadcast. So I'm curious as you're going through it, are, are you, you know, considering your experiences, like surprised that I think there was only two plays where guys were in emotion or the, the launch points weren't changed. Like there weren't adjustments made as the game went on is like, does that like shock you surprise you and whatnot as you're going through the all 22? I mean, it doesn't necessarily shock me. I mean, there's the great the example that people always use. And this is again, a dated analogy, but Peyton Manning used to quote unquote hate motion. Like he wanted to be able to see it and be able to get into exactly what they want. Well, I don't think anybody right now would confuse Justin Fields for Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage. So there's, and the game has evolved. Like you look at many of the high quote unquote high level offenses, there's a significant amount of movement and shifts. And sometimes for a younger guy, it can make things blurry. You know, so sometimes you expect this kind of motion or you expect this adjustment and something else. And now it muddies a picture where that's part of dealing with that motion. And it does confuse the offensive line as well. If you do a lot of shifts in motion, sometimes they need to redeclare where they're going to. And there were certainly issues with the pass protection in that regard. So I can see why you wouldn't want to do it. But the launch point thing to me, I don't have an answer for. You know, I think especially when you start getting pass pro issues, you have to change the launch point. You can't let those guys who get paid to rush the pasture just pin their ears back and go take shots at a rookie quarterback. That's too easy. And there was a, you know, another thing I had is the Jesse James, who's one of their blocking tight ends. He played one snap the whole game. You know, like there's there's other ways to block it up and help that offensive line a little bit. So I think that's something they need to look at too. JT, I want to go back to something you said off the top, which was play them. Because that's been a topic all summer long in Chicago. This plan with Andy Dalton to sit Justin Fields, and now they're throwing him out there. And he really did not receive... This is something we've been talking about a lot. He did not receive reps with the ones in training camp. And now he's just had to... Now he's getting... Now he's got to build all that chemistry on the fly here in the season when during training camp, we're like, why can't you steal three reps with Allen Robinson? Like, get, get these reps in now. And they just didn't do that. So... And this seems to be a polarizing topic about whether you should sit these guys or play them because there's examples on both sides of it working and there's examples on both sides of it not working. But why do you think for Justin Fields, the best thing to do is to play him? I mean, I think it's the best for anything, for anybody right now. I think Trey Lance is another perfect example. I mean, they're just, you know, you're just buying time to a certain degree. And that's no offense to those other guys. They're pros. But you give up whatever you gave up to get those picks. And for that type of player, I just, you're trying to develop them and put them in a position to be successful. And I think it's a dated paradigm to be able to say like, Hey, 20 years ago, everybody wanted to sit, you know, look at Aaron, look at Patrick, you know, those are one-off guys. I get it. But nowadays those guys come into the league as prepared as ever, more prepared than ever before. They've spun it. They've played seven on seven. 
They've been in RPOs. They've done all those things their entire professional career. And so they're more ready to play. And I also think the game is more college-like than it ever has been. So they're running similar schemes. They're not being asked to do things under center that they've never done before in their life. And so there's a lot of correlation to be why you should get out there to play. My biggest thing is just the best player plays. You know, that like, I don't understand. I don't think anybody, you know, would look at some of those guys and be like, that guy is better than this guy. Like, this is not, you know, rec soccer or Little League where everybody gets a couple innings. This is put the best guy in there because I do think there are ripple effects in the entire locker room. You know, defensive linemen know who the better player is. They really do. And it, and it impacts everything across the organization. And so everybody can feel that you're just biding time, that you're not putting the absolute best 11 out there. And so in addition, I think those guys are just ready to go and better. And so, I, you know, just as a fan of the position, I want to see the best players out there. JT, I have one uh, one more for you. Just the, as far as like the individual improvements that Justin can make, like stuff that goes unnoticed when you're watching TV, like the footwork. I think in your your Bengals review, you mentioned how his heels click a bit uh, every every now and then, and how it could affect his timing. I'm I'm, I mean, how does he? Is that just a matter of experience and, and keep you know going through that in practice? I mean, how would you? How would you like to see that improve in the, from an individual standpoint for him? I mean, I think it's a little bit unrealistic to think now that we're in the middle of the season that a lot of that like technical detail is going to be changed. Now, it can certainly be improved, but that to me is something that comes from being a pro, and that's all you do, and you spend your entire offseason with a quarterback guru, and you're working on your base, and those types of things get better and better. And I think you see evidence of that across the league. You know, I immediately think of guys like Josh Allen, who makes significant progress, you know, progress once they get into the league. And so I would imagine you'd see the same from this draft class. But for me, what I would want to see from Justin Fields immediately, we touched on a little bit, is just the timing and the quickness of some of those decisions to be like, hey, I need a completion. Like, I need to get the ball out of my hand. I got to protect my offensive line. You know, I'm not going to take this big drop and wait and wait and wait on some of these throws. Now, not that you'll never do it, but just have a better understanding that, hey, this ball needs to come out quickly, not just for me to get a completion, but for me to protect my edges, for me to, you know, do all those types of things that go into playing pro quarterback. It's not always about everything being perfect. You just need to get a completion. And that kind of like pro element of playing quarterback, you know, throwing the check down faster. You know, I can think of a couple of times on Sunday, at least one time where he got a check down knockdown. You know, to me, that usually means you're pretty late on your decision making that if they can react to your check down being knocked down as a as a pass defender, that things aren't going quite quickly enough. And so just playing it faster, I think, would be the immediate thing that goes into it. But those big, you know, base footwork, you know, people love to say, you know, the arm action, any type of cleaning up, that type of stuff. Those are offseason projects. JT, when you put Justin number one, I know you. I, I remember watching the video. You said, hey, this is just, you know the guy I would want. It's not about, you know, where they end up and fit like that, but obviously once they get to where they go, that's a huge factor in how things turn out for them. So when you look at Zach Wilson in New York right now, who's not in a great situation, I think people are starting to say the same thing about Justin Fields. Some of the conversation we've been having here on this, on this podcast right here about what they're asking him to do. How big of a factor is that? And what would you tell these guys how they overcome that or fight through that until it is a better situation? Because it's not guaranteed that it will be. Yeah, I mean, you know, welcome to the league. I mean, it's one of those things where I joke around, but I say this quite a bit. Some of the best advice I ever got was from uh, Brett Favre. And he said, you got to overcome your coaching. And there's an element of that. Now, certainly there's some luck. You know, you don't get to pick who you're drafted by. If you're a quarterback taken high, you're usually going to one of the worst organizations, worst teams, and you're a pro and you got to find a way to overcome your coaching. And you don't get to choose, you know, who gets hired next or what happens in that regard. And so there is so much of it is luck. The other thing that I would push back to those guys right now is you have to have the capacity to be really focused week to week, that type of improvement, but I, you know, even to, to fans and people that are care about these quarterbacks, like we need to take at least, you know, like a three year lens to this type of stuff. It's easy to overreact to a first start to a first quarter of a season, those types of things. But, you know, you're looking at which one of these, where are they going to be in half a decade? Is the franchise on the right trajectory or are they making moves in that regard? And so it's obviously still up in the air, but man, the struggle is real. Sundays are different. What do you remember about being a Chicago bear? 
I remember Soldier Field being a unique place. Uh, I the the design of it. I certainly love the museum. What's the museum right there with the uh, Sioux, the dinosaur? Yeah, the Field, the Field Museum. Yeah, that thing is beautiful. And then Lake Forest was pretty nice. But you know, I was living the extended stay lifestyle, so it wasn't that nice. Yeah. Right. Pretty yeah. far from Soldier Field. Pretty nice, but pretty far. <laughs> yeah, a little train in, train in. I love the city. I really do. What is it? Rush. Rush, yeah, Rush Street, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah and then they and time. then and then they shipped you out to Europe, right? In the set, second stint. Yeah, I was. I mean, the second stint was really just kind of so I could have a Bears logo on my chest when I was playing over in Europe. There was no yeah. kind of intent for a long term. But it was. I, I the other thing I remember about that is uh, Jeff Blake was a quarterback that was on the team when I was there, and so Jeff and I used to do the. Uh, this is make me sound really old, but the stair climber after practice. And we would watch, we would watch Jerry Springer every day. And so we were going to go, I think Jerry Springer was filmed in Chicago. Based in Chicago. Yeah. So we were going to go, we were going to get a limo and take all the quarterbacks and go. And I got picked up and went somewhere else like the week we were going to do it. So I was kind of bummed out about that. That would have been pretty fun to go like Kyle Orton, Jeff Blake, Rex Grossman to Jerry Springer. That would have been wild. There, there's some been athletes in Chicago who've played uh, bouncers for him. Uh, uh-huh. That idea. They could have had all tip. four of you guys out there. I would love to hear the <laughs> stories of, the, of that happening. Uh, that would have been cool. How's the high school football season going? It's going, man. It's uh, it's pretty crazy right now with uh, you know the whole COVID situation and what's going on with different procedures and all those types of things. But we've been fortunate enough to get all of our games in so far. We start league this week, so we just need to keep getting better, man. You you don't want me to start talking in that coach speak. But. No, he does. No, he does because he, he coaches do, special teams for a high school around here, and oh, his high for- school, his this is Chicago history for you. His high school in Chicago just beat. One of the most famous high schools in Chicago, Mount Carmel, Donovan McNabb. I don't know if you ever heard of it for, for the first time since when, Adam? 1928? It was 93 like years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, he would love to talk some high school football with you, JT. <laughs> well, you do You do teams? Special, do special teams, teams, yeah. yeah. Teams. Well, for the, for the longest time, well, not the longest time. I've only been doing this three years, but we did the uh, Pulaski Academy, only onside kick, never punt. Uh, so it was, uh, our special teams are a little bit of a circus, but it's a lot of fun. Wow. I might have to pick your brain on that one a little bit. Sometime, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get tempted to do that. Actually, our head coach, uh, is some, you probably, you, it would have, he would have played with you. Jason McKee, uh, was okay. fullback with the bears when you were with them. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, it's a while ago and, uh, Rashid Davis is on the staff too. So, um, oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. High school football. We, we love it here. We get it in on the podcast, too. So uh, best of luck with the rest of your season as well, JT. I appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. All right. Awesome insight from JT O'Sullivan, who, uh, yeah, former Bears quarterback for a minute or two. And it's great to have him on the podcast. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, make sure you check out the Justin Fields breakdown uh, at QB School. It's actually on Twitter at the underscore QB underscore school uh, on Twitter. The YouTube page is the QB School. Check it out. And a uh, little teaser for you. There's going to be a video coming from JT on the sacks in Cleveland. All nine of them. So uh, get nine f- times. Get excited. Get excited for that. No. Okay. Well, you can still learn. Well, if you learn, I, yes, yes. I'm going to watch it for sure. All right. Um, as painful as it is, we, we definitely have to dive into this stuff. 
your research. We got to do our research. Uh, thanks, JT, for the awesome insight. I guess it's now up to us, John Z, to kind of sort through that. It, you know, we're going to create like a pie chart of the blame. It's got to be still like 80% on the offensive design, right? Oh, 100%. And the game plan? Yes. You should do everything in your power to help your young quarterbacks, right? Everything in your power. I did. <laughs> What's left to be said? We didn't see that against the Browns. We didn't see that against the Bengals. JT didn't see it against the Bengals. And at this point, that's the serious conversations that I think the Bears have to have. Like, it's like, what's going on here? How do we make life easier in our young quarterback? And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, we talked about this at length last season with Mitch Trubisky. There was nothing wrong with making life easier on your quarterback. If you're moving the ball, it's all that matters. I think one of the concerning things that I hope doesn't carry over you know, things were getting so bad there that in the fourth quarter, I noticed Justin just started locking in on his first read. And as you heard JT talk about, they were all like just like short, outbreaking routes, and they were just the corners were just sitting on them. But there was a couple times where if you had looked to the other side, there was a third down where the wheel route to David Montgomery was open and he just didn't even look over there. And there was another one, I think, I don't know, it was like a slant to Cole Komet or something like that. That was open and he's just looking over at Allen Robinson the whole time. I, I hope that that was just a byproduct of how that game was yeah, unfolding yeah, and not I'm something thinking. that starts to carry over. But that's where you start to talk about, you know, these things having damage and that's what you can't have happen i mean they got to fix this in a hurry they're saying it won't um it's one of those things that you just have to show now though right like it's he's got to shake this off and well the, the lions give him a great opponent yeah you know, they're a perfect opponent to have that happen even mr trubisky's bounce back games came against the lions but I mean, I argue today it's more of a bounce-back game for Matt Nagy, right? To make life easier for his quarterback, to help him out, to find a rhythm for him. He's played, what, a, a, a game and a half? Have we seen Justin Fields in a rhythm? Uh, no. 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 Maybe, Not since the preseason. I would say maybe this. Maybe the the deep ball that was dropped by Allen Robinson and then coming back to the Cole Komet crosser, which was a laser right on the money. That looked pretty good. One was a drop, one was negated by penalty. It's the Bears for you, but get your QB in rhythm. That starts with the game plan. It starts with the play calling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it's... He, I hate to be the, the, the guy of the ne- negative stuff, but uh, the guy of the negative stuff. What a phrase that was. <laughs> okay, guy of the negative stuff? What do you have? Uh, um... Well, here, I remember, I think, saying this going into the Lions game last year. Now, it was later in the season, but the Bears had lost five games in a row, and here we were going, well, this is how you get right. At least the Lions are coming to town. What could go wrong? And then they blow a 10-point lead in the final two minutes and 17 seconds, and that's when everything... That's when it finally actually became a thing. Like, ooh, are the Bears going to make changes after the season? Because this has just gotten so bad. So, just pointing out, yes, great time to play the Lions. Could not be more perfect in what is a very hard schedule. That being said, the opposite, if you lose to the Lions, 0-3 Detroit Lions, kneecap-biting Dan Campbell Lions, over-caffeinated Dan Campbell, kneecapping-biting <laughs> team, you lose to them, oh boy. Yes. Oh, boy. I, I, one of my favorite points from our conversation with JP, JP, JT, is the, what, he, what he brought up about the, the static routes, right? How they stop, mm-hmm. the receivers stop their feet. That is such a good point and one that cannot be said enough because that was the Bears offense and has been the Bears offense, has it not? Like we keep bringing up yak yards and whatnot, but the separation isn't there. The, the routes themselves aren't there. The concepts themselves aren't there. They don't facilitate that. And with Justin Fields, you would like to see him take those shots where he's driving the ball and there's separation and the guy can have some yak yards. Great point by JT. But I thought they had all that speed. 
Is that more of a shot at me? No. They don't use it. I don't, I don't get it. What's the point of having all the speed? Yes, yes. Hey, hey, can I, like, you mentioned the screen game. We talked about the screen game with him there. Yes, they run a lot of wide receiver screens under Matt Nagy. We're talking about different screens sometimes here, right? Like, th- we're talking about, like, the ones where the offensive line actually moves and there's some misdirection, all sorts of things going on. Stuff like you saw from the Browns, stuff like you see from the Chiefs all the time. Are we not? Exactly what you saw from the Browns. Yes. It, that, that, that's the most infuriating thing about Sunday's game. It does not exist in the Bears playbook. Is They were in the same position. The Bears were teeing off on Baker Mayfield. They couldn't control Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack from getting in the backfield. And they adjusted. And those screens killed the Bears. It was right there in front of you on the same freaking tape. The other team did it. That's what's so infuriating, watching what unfolded on Sunday. And there's just nothing. I finally wrote it. Now, there is a chance I missed it. But like I said when we were talking to JT, 343, fourth quarter. This was the Bears' last possession when all hope was lost. They're going through the motions. Scream. <laughs> they finally did it. And by, uh, by the way, it went for 10 wait, yards. What, what 10, was yard, the, 10 yards. What was the down and distance? So 10 yards there, 16 yards on the first play of the game. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're starting to get closer to 47. Yeah. Wait, what the was down, down and distance. distance. It was first and 10. It was the first play of the drive. Okay, good. Okay. Just and by the way, it wasn't blocked well. David Montgomery had to make a guy miss in the backfield. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> At least the Bears have David oh, Montgomery and Cairo Santos. At least they can say that. Yeah. Yaxi. Darn. I think that's enough venting for a Tuesday. We preview the Lions next on Thursday. Fishbane will be there. Fishman. If you wanted the whys, this was a podcast full of whys. Or what the hells? Or what the hells. Lots of what the hells and whys. Yes. I, I think we explained a lot of whys, though. Oh, all right. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read my film review, as painful as it might be, NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy is on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Please go to subscribe. Check out the QB school and all of JT O'Sullivan's stuff. Breakdown coming tomorrow. Breakdown coming tomorrow on the sacks. All nine of them. Nine times. What movie? I, I don't know. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Classic Chicago movie. Yeah. Oh. Sure. Now, now a meme? No. I have seen that. Now I think about it. I've seen that been going around on Twitter. Well, Kevin probably tweeted it out. He does all the time. All right, we're out of here. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison. Thanks to JT O'Sullivan for jumping on with us. We'll be back Thursday to break down our old friend, the Detroit Lions. See ya. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times.